I'm going to play you a song in a moment. Uh, that's not me singing. That's just kind of from the desk. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> uh, but the interesting thing about this song is it caused quite a stir in our early days as a church. And uh, we, it was a well-known uh, worship song that we loved singing. Um, and um, we had a visit from a local kind of Edinburgh Christian leader um, that was visiting us just uh, as a church plant. And um, the interesting thing was that he walked out during this song. And it was like, gracious, I didn't realize it was such a radical song. I mean, here we are just worshiping, you know, and it was obviously, he, he obviously considered it unbiblical. Um, now, I know you might be thinking, oh, yes, I know what that's going to be about. <clears throat> it's charismatic gifts or something, you know, or maybe, um, maybe it was the role of women, you know, or, or maybe it was teaching about end time prophecy. But no, it's actually something that I'm very passionate about. I believe Paul was very passionate about. That's what we're going to be looking at today. Um, before I kind of reveal this mystery, let's, let's hear the song. go. <laughs> You're thinking, well, what is so radical about that song? Well, what was so offensive about that song? Um, and um, it's actually really seeing this picture of the church as being God's chosen instrument for demonstrating who he is to the world and to as we'll see in a moment, the angelic powers in heaven that actually he's using the church. Something that he, he, it's saying he kept secret, he kept hidden in himself for hundreds, thousands of years. And then he's going to play out this amazing kind of symphony. Okay, he's, Imagine God playing out this symphony using the church in, as this kind of cello here. Um, and all heaven and all earth declaring the gospel with this, what's called multifaceted wisdom of God. And he plays this wonderful, he's, but he's playing, actually he's playing it with us. He's actually using us as his chosen instrument to actually demonstrate his glory and his splendor. How does he do that? And I think I want to, today, if I do one thing, it's actually to give you a higher view of actually God's heart for his church and why actually it's really important 
and how we need to have a high view of that in our own hearts and minds. Not kind of a, oh, well, it was a kind of add-on or sort of an extra or something that's just, you know, it, it's there. No, no, it's not like that. We're going to read uh, from, <clears throat> as we're dealing with Ephesians, um, I'm looking at Ephesians 3, uh, starting at verse 1, and we're reading through to verse 13. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief, by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has been now, being revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body, and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister, according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given, to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God, who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confidence and access through faith in him. So here we have this mystery. I spoke a few weeks ago about how God brings together these two that was kind of Jews and Gentiles. He brings them together as one new man in Christ. And that one new man in Christ is called... What's it called? What is this one new man in Christ called? The church. Okay, yeah. Okay. So he brings together the church, this one new man. Um, It's almost like with a flourish... He kind of suddenly brings it. It's almost like he knows it's he knows it's there. It's not a new thing for him. It's not suddenly something he suddenly scratched up and sort of thought, hmm, we're not doing very well with the Jews. Maybe we should uh, let's have a think. What are we going to come up with? Let's come up with another idea. No, no. He's had this idea all along that actually this is going to be bringing this into center stage. I'm going to give focus to the church of God. And this is what I'm going to use. People's lives, you and me. Weakness, but displaying God's mercy and love. And that is going to be just such a wonderful thing. People are going to go, wow. I I never thought, (laughs) I never thought this was going to be God's plan. I never thought. Sometimes you feel like that yourself. Do you sometimes feel it personally? sometimes feel like, I don't kind of deserve this. 
And if you knew, if you really knew me, if you really knew my thoughts, you wouldn't use me. God, you wouldn't use me. How, how, how did you decide to kind of choose me? How did you, do you not feel that about yourself? At times just thinking, isn't that amazing? Isn't it? I mean, you should be kind of like, kind of wake up each morning and go, I can't believe it. I can't believe that God uses you and I. He uses this to actually demonstrate, not just to the world, it says in this scripture, but to heavenly powers. Like the heavenly powers are kind of looking on and he's saying, no, no, I'm going to demonstrate my glory through frailty, through human beings, messed up, screwed up, sinful, selfish, human beings. And I'm going to display my multifaceted wisdom through them. God sees us as a wonderful, wonderful um, delight. The eye of his eye, he says. He's made us fellow heirs. We're now part of his household. We were, we used to be, as Gentiles, we used to be in the outer courts. Now, we've been brought right close in. Right close in. Right, right in the place of saying, no, no, this is my precious possession. This quote from Klein Snodgrass, just love the name. Um, the church, its very existence and conduct is to make known how great God's plan of salvation is, both to people and to the heavenly powers. This gives an unparalleled importance to the church. And I just think that we've got to see the level of this unparalleled, unparalleled importance. I'm not going to hear this this morning. There's an unparalleled importance to the church. Often we, we kind of, we're, we're great to focus on Christ and see him, but actually there's also his body, which is us. Let's look at this verse in Ephesians 1. He brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So he's talking about Christ, this amazing, this is every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet. Yeah, we go, wow, isn't that amazing? That's fantastic. However, that isn't the end of the verse. It does not end at feet, okay? It ends with, and he and gave him as head over the church, which is the body the fullness of him who fills all in all. We are the fullness of God. 
who fills all in all. We are the church. And he wants you to hear how important that is, why it's important. Because how we behave and what we do actually angelic powers are looking at. They're, they're looking at. They're saying, oh, yeah, he'll slip up. You wait. You know, it's not going to work. No, no, through God's grace, I can, I can walk this life. Through God's grace, you will see. And it's important that actually we see the value of actually what God's doing through us. Yeah? It, it helps us to actually say, I really desire to be um, a, a really good reflection of God and his multifaceted wisdom. Sometimes I think that it can feel like um, we have a gospel that has a head but no body. Yeah? So it's kind of like it, it, it focuses on Christ, but it, it, we, we have very little, very little conversation about his body. But it is his body. It is his body that actually the world comes and they can, they can come in the room. They can come and they can touch. They can be and they can be close to us. They can actually connect with us. We can say, let me, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me show you. Let me care for you. Let me understand you. We're his body. And it's really important that actually we see that. If we, I feel like um, sometimes we... Um, you know what it's like when we have a kind of dismissive attitude on something? We, we kind of despise it. We don't really invest in it. God, God's saying, no, no, the church is really important. I want you to invest. It's really important. In my eyes, the church is really, really important. I have a really high value of the church. I want you to hear that. Let's hear, let's hear Bill Hybels. Nothing on earth has greater potential to change lives, to carry out his kingdom work in your community than your local church. There's nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. No other organization on earth is like the church. Nothing even comes close. The local church is the hope of the world. This is the church. This is actually this importance of this is huge. Some people have seen, over the years, have seen the church as a kind of afterthought. Something that God kind of pulled together at the last minute. I think it's my last quote, and I'll read you this from Martin Lloyd-Jones. 
To say that the Christian church was a mere afterthought in the mind of God, that he'd never really intended it in eternity, the greatest thing in the universe, the greatest manifestation of God's own wisdom, an afterthought? The church, far from being an afterthought, is the brightest shining of the wisdom of God. There is nothing beyond the church. She is the highest and the most supreme manifestation of the wisdom of God. It's quite amusing sitting here. (laughs) Because I can see on your faces that there is a kind of... Really? So that's why I'm pausing. I'm just letting it kind of sink in. Um, There is nothing after the church. The church, we... we, There's nothing after us. There's not a sort of a a church plus, okay? There's not another version, you know, like kind of Apple would bring out. This, This is it. This is the church, okay? And we continue for eternity, the church. There isn't another, another thing after this. There is the church, and then the church, and it carries on, and there is the church. This is it. This is God's plan. This is God's plan for eternity, that actually this is, we are the bride of Christ. There isn't another bride. There isn't, this is it. We are the bride of Christ. This is the one. This is, and what Paul's saying in Ephesians 3 is that he brings his multifaceted, multicolored, wonderful wisdom of God and he demonstrates it through the church. He demonstrates it through the church. How we get on, (laughs) how we play that out is, is about, is really important. It's like a well-cut diamond. It sparkles as the light hits it. <laughs> it looks almost alive. It's kind of mini explosions, flashes of light. But it's not a, not a dead stone. It's not carbon under pressure. But it's made up of, the church, glorious and precious Living stones. We're living stones. Peter described these living stones. They declare God in his glory. Christ is described as a living stone that the builders rejected. That's the religious leaders of his day. But Peter says that this choice and precious in the sight of God And then we are living stones built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. God is building us together as a temple, as a people that he wants to dwell within. God wants to hang out with us. God has brought us together so that he can dwell within us. He wants to be here with us. He's created us to work together and 
What does that kind of mean? It means that (laughs) we need to look at how we get on. It means that we need to not have any kind of unforgiveness in our midst. It means that we need to sort out differences quickly. It means that we shouldn't have divisions amongst us. We're not like the world. We're not all encamped into little tribes and little bits and subsections and clubs and kind of, you know, I'm with this and you're with that and you're with the other and so on. It's not like that. He brings us together from all sorts of different nations, from all sorts of different backgrounds, whether we're kind of rich or poor or had great families or bad families. And he brings us together and he unites us under Christ, this cornerstone, Christ. He unites us together. And we need to work hard at being diligent with making sure that we're fitting well together. Yeah? Because God wants us as a diamond that reflects his glory, that reflects his beauty, that reflects his wisdom, that reflects his loving kindness, that reflects his love, that reflects his power. And he wants us to be a wonderful, wonderful jewel in his hand that will demonstrate that I am, like you, I'm sure, uh, I've been enjoying some of the kind of Blue Planet series. Um, And um, we've seen there that there's these specially constructed submarines that can withstand huge pressure, that goes extreme depths, um, able to see creatures that we've never seen before, amazing wonders that we never realized existed in God's creation. A diversity and a complexity of God's creation is just amazing. But it's also nothing compared to the complexity and wonders that are in God himself. We are going to spend eternity still exploring God because he is multifaceted. He's not just, he is one, but he, he's complex. Yeah, and I think as I, you know, those here who are my age and older, um, you know, will testify that actually, you actually, you, you can read the same scriptures, you know, that I was reading when I was 20 and 30 and 40 and so on, and yet, actually, there's more in them. As you open it up, there's more, because God is just limitless. There is, un, it, there are no, end to those depths, the depths of God. We will spend eternity exploring the depths of God. 
wonderful. This, the, the, these multifaceted wisdom of God. And God uses us. He uses us to demonstrate that. So we've heard that the, the church isn't, it's not a temporary structure, okay? It's not just up for a little while and then God's going to build the real thing. No, this is the A plan. This is it. Therefore, there is, you, you, you sense the onus that I'm putting on it. It's important we get it right. It's important that we actually work hard on it, you know. These things that we're working out in local church together are really key. I got saying, yeah, no, I'm, I'm perfecting you. I'm making you more like Christ. We understand that. And probably the way he does that the most is just through being in local church. That's why it's important to be part of local church. That's why it's important not just to kind of go off and think, I could just do this myself. No, no, because you're not going to get the kind of knocks that actually other people are going to give that are rubbing up against you. Uh, and he's perfecting, he's, he's perfecting his jewel. I think it's utterly amazing that actually, you know, the... The world kind of asks this question, how are we going to solve, you know, how are we going to beat cancer? How are we going to overcome the kind of despots in the world? How are we going to solve marriages that are broken? How are we going to put back together things that are kind of going so wrong? And God, in his wisdom basically solves that in a day. In a day. Jesus dies on the cross. In a day, he solves the problem. I'm going to basically put it all right so that anyone who believes in Christ Jesus can be part of my church and can know me personally. And it's an eternal thing. It's not just this life. It's an eternal thing. He's changed it for eternity. In a day, he solves the problem. This is God's wisdom. Absolutely amazing. I um, I can remember when the multiplex cinema landed on our high streets. Now, for many of you, you're going to say, what are you talking about? Like, surely there's always been the multiplex cinema. You know, you go along and there's like, you know, well, which screen am I on? Is it screen one, two, three, four, five, six, or whatever, how, how big it is, up to ten? Yeah? Well, it wasn't always like that. We, it was, <laughs> we, <laughs> there would be a film that would be shown for two weeks in your local cinema. And that was it. It was like, well, I, I don't really want to see that film. Well, you've got to wait or you've got to go into central London or something and go and watch it somewhere else. Some, you know, it might be shown somewhere else. You've got to look through the paper and you're going to think, oh, right, okay. Well, I might have to travel an hour and go and see the film 
or I've got to wait a couple of weeks until another one comes. What's the next one coming? You'd look at the paper and you go, all oh, right, okay, well, I don't really like that one either. <laughs> you didn't have choice. Popcorn. That was a modern thing. We kind of like, you know, we sort of, it, it started, and suddenly the, these, there were these multiplexes that were being built. <clears throat> what had happened is that the cinema, excuse me, the cinema had kind of got to a place where I thought it was almost going to die out. <clears throat> I guess the, the TV had come along. People were kind of sitting at home rather than going out to the cinema. Um, you couldn't buy food at a cinema. It's a cinema. It's like saying, can you buy food at the garage? Well, no, of course not. You know, uh, you, know you, well, you, 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 you can now with, with your petrol, but I mean, uh, <coughs> you know, if, you're, <coughs> if you're fixing your car up, you know, uh, and you say, well, I'm going to go and get my car fixed. Can I, can I go and buy, can I get a meal at the same time? Um, quite a good idea, that. Uh, <laughs> this, this thing had come over from the States, and uh, suddenly you went along, and there was places you could buy food. There was places you could get the popcorn. You could have a choice of all these different things. You, you know, the, the sound system was suddenly absolutely amazing. And you'd go along and you'd think, this is, this is extraordinary. You know, I, and, and, it, and it happened sort of in the 70s, kind of like overnight it felt like. Well, I want to say, you're going to say, well, what's that, what's that got to do with what you're talking about? Well, <clears throat> the church is one, but it's not just showing one film. Um, God's plan is that we would have unity, but it, it, the demonstration of us is that we would be multifaceted. That there would be variety and there would be difference. And this is important. So it's important that actually we have unity. So we've got two things going on. We've got unity that actually we don't, our differences don't all make us all just go into separate little bits. But God's not saying that we're some kind of cult where the followers all have the same sort of self-expression they 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 basically copy their leader they're controlled by one person they just basically mimic what is being said we, this week we had the kind of death of famous cult leader charles manson who i kind of can remember in the news a lot from the kind of awful drug crazed murders that his followers committed on certain famous people um the church <clears throat> Is not a cult. The church has variety of expression. God wants each of us to think clearly ourselves, to make our own minds up on things, not just to kind of, kind of robotically copy somebody else. And God wants creativity. He wants, and I'm speaking here, to some of you creatives this morning. God is saying, don't feel like you are held back because God wants to see that creativity. He wants, you say, well, so-and-so doesn't really see it quite the way I see it. We need to have the same heart, which is for the same 
gospel, which is Christ, we need to have the same heart, but we need to see the expression of that as being very different. So we have different ways that we demonstrate that. And that might mean thinking, actually, I'm going to demonstrate that in this kind of way. I'm going to reach these people. I've got a heart for, these, for this area. And that's brilliant. We're not coerced. We're not mindless imitation. God wants us to represent just lots and lots of different, uh, different ideas in that way. Uh, different expressions. You know, this week we did a little tally in the office and we worked out <coughs> that there was 35 different nationalities and there's probably more within King's Church. Okay? And <laughs> there's just a, a wonderful ex- explosion of different nationalities coming together, being one together, but also... Speaking, you know, many of you speak different languages. Many of you, English isn't your first language. And God brings us together and then he sends us out and we actually can communicate with lots of different people groups. And there's an expression, a multifaceted expression of God. And he loves that. He loves that. He loves us expressing in all sorts of different ways. It's, we're going to keep having that expression right into eternity. Maybe the band could come up, please. I'm going to finish with these two points. Having a high view of church causes us to work hard to preserve the bond of peace, to have harmony, to play this wonderful symphony for our Jesus to a needy world and to angelic powers. So what does this mean? Number one, don't get out of tune. Don't play off notes. With the earlier being, ask God to help you to be a beautiful instrument in our maker's hands, forgiving, keeping short accounts, sorting out our differences early. And secondly, to be creative. God's made us creative. Difference is great. And what's important is that we have good relationship and unity. Remember Ephesians 1.23. We are his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. There's a fullness of him that actually uh, we're full of lots of difference in that way. That's really, really important.